Hi, my name is Dr. Pamela Prince-Pyle. This podcast is something unique. Hope for every season is something we all need, no matter which season we are in. And so we want to offer hope for your health, words for your weariness, and faith for your fears. Because in the end, hope can mean everything. Stick with us. Let's see what our guests source for hope. Welcome. I am so glad to have you all back with Hope for Every Season. We have just an extraordinary young lady today, and uh, she's going to speak to so many of the topics that we've discussed thus far. And Sydney is, uh, as I said, extraordinary. She's only 27 years old. She is a graduate of both University of South Carolina and Emory School of Law. She is a practicing attorney. However, her primary purpose is helping children with grief. And she comes through that purpose from her own personal story as a young girl And so I'd like for all of us to welcome Sydney Ford. And Sydney, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Sydney, you had a a very tragic experience as a young girl. You were 10 years old. Do you feel comfortable sharing with that uh, that story? Yes. um, I'm at the point now where I share it all the time. So it kind of feels like secondhand, just sharing it off the bat. My dad died when I was 10 years old, unexpectedly from a heart attack in the middle of the night. There were no warning signs, nothing that we saw coming. He got out of bed and went to the bathroom and they said that he was dead before he hit the floor. I think the unexpectedness of that loss definitely played a large role in my grief because even though everyone grieves differently, there are so many different kinds of losses that affect how you grieve. And that was definitely one that was very abrupt and shocking that um, really shook me. But, you know, I realized eventually, not at the time, how to deal with my grief. But definitely at the time, I um, really didn't talk about it. I didn't share about that grief and didn't really notice anything until my senior year of high school when I started having panic attacks and realized that I hadn't dealt with my grief. We had another guest where they had a, a tragic accident also in their their family. She was very young. And she had this experience of not dealing with her grief as, as a young person. She looked at that initially as a blessing because her parents were trying to protect her. It was her uh, sibling that had died. But as she has gotten older, she's she's really realized that she's never processed that grief. And, and so much of Grief work is about delving into our emotions um, because it's something that impacts our life indefinitely. And so you were, as a young person, processing your own grief, maybe internally. But then at the age of 16, you decided to help others. Again, I, I just... I love that story because, you know, that's one of the things that we do as people that are hurting is when we help others, it helps our own hurt. So as 16, tell me what you did and and how that affected you. So I started going into local school groups and talking to children about the grief process using Sesame Street Live and their free materials. Mm -hmm. And 
honestly, I think that was probably when I realized that I hadn't processed my grief. I think I had just assumed that I had and that I was showing others how to do the same thing. And then I was going in talking about this grief and this process and realized that I hadn't done any of the things that I was sharing about. And so I think that was kind of the moment I realized, wait a second, I'm telling people to do things that I haven't actually done myself. So I think it helped me in the sense that sharing my story to each and every kid that I worked with helped me through my grieving and that it forced me Mm. to talk about it. Mm. And so as a a young person that's now impacting the lives of others, how did that shape what you wanted to do in life, which was extraordinary? So I actually decided I was going to go into broadcast journalism. And then while in um, the journalism school, I took a media law course, decided I wanted to go into law school. And then while in law school, my second semester, I did a juvenile defender clinic and realized the overlap between grieving youth and in the juvenile justice system. And that was when I said, kind of, this is my purpose. This is what I'm here for. And I saw that overlap and decided that was where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. Um, I've written some articles on trauma-informed care in the juvenile justice system, and I'm now focusing more on grief-informed care in the juvenile justice system. But there's definitely an overlap there, and I think that was kind of what called me to that position. Um, Do you find that in your work that helping children process grief as well as helping them find hope impacts how they they go through the juvenile system and look with hope to a different life? Oh, definitely. I think most of the kids that I've worked with haven't processed that grief. Um, I feel like a lot of them are young men and that stereotype of young men, you know, not supposed to express emotions and share emotions Mm -hmm. weighs very heavily on them. And so with a lot of them, we do work on providing services. Um, I've referred some of them to grief support groups that are free and um, organizations that can help them. You know, it's their initiative that they have to take to move forward with it. But I do think I have witnessed that some of them have, and I've witnessed it changing some of their lives to get involved with that grief support because some of those support groups do become like a second family and people that can encourage them and help them grow. And so it is um, beneficial to get that support. And so I hope that the ones that do take those steps feel like it's um, pushed them towards a better direction. You used even hope in the what you hope for them. And uh, we have a phrase here at Hope for Every Season that sometimes we have to be a hope bridge where someone who is grieving, someone who is suffering, that is in the midst of their their darkness, their their brokenness, their sorrow. They can't hope for themselves. And so we have to come along and, and be a hope bridge uh, and hope for them until they learn how to hope for themselves. I feel like that's a lot of what you do 
And in particular, while the rest of the world certainly took a pause through the past two years of COVID and a pandemic, Miss Sydney Ford <laughs> uh, starts a nonprofit, Hope After Grief, Inc. Tell us about your nonprofit. Yes, I started it because when I was going to college, I noticed that there weren't many scholarships particularly set for people who have lost a parent or a sibling. Um, and I, I think people who have lost someone realize this, but others may not, that the funeral costs, the hospital costs, everything is so expensive. And for my family, we went from a two-person income in our house to a single family single parent income. So for me, you know, that cuts in half the amount of money that can be contributed towards going to college. And for a lot of kids, sometimes, you know, they're not losing one parent, they're losing both. Sometimes they're losing siblings um, that help contribute to the household. And then with the funeral expenses and everything else that comes along, it's a really huge financial burden to lose someone. Mm. Not just, you know, emotionally, but financially as well. And I don't think a lot of people consider that. So for me, I wanted to start this nonprofit to provide scholarships for students who have had a parent or sibling die so that they can use that towards um, going to college and furthering their education and not letting their grief and that loss stopping them from continuing to succeed. So I hope, again, (laughs) But it does provide a little bit of hope to them that their future will continue and that they can keep going despite that loss. And I was looking at your uh, 2021 um, recipients in 2022, and they are extraordinary students in and of themselves, but there's so much future, you know, when you look in their smiles and, and just that someone saw them. I would imagine that was very important to them in in their grief work. You know, it's crazy because when the applications come through, I don't read the stories at first because I know I will cry over everyone. So I have set judges who read them and score them anonymously. And then at the end, I read the chosen essays and the amount of things that these children have done, whether it be caring for someone who is sick while also working a part-time job. I've had a youth who was working four or five jobs while also playing football. I've had a youth who was working part-time while caring for her mother and also going to school. And these are all kids who are teenagers who have um, taken these steps to try to care for their family and prioritize that, whereas some people that age are not doing that. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just um, important to recognize their efforts and then realize that it wasn't all for naught and that despite this loss, they are going to be successful and that they've put in the work and they've done, you know, put their head down and kept moving. And for me, um, I just really hope that it benefits them. I love that. So hope is in your DNA, because as you, <laughs> it's kind of, even as you talk, now I know you saying the word because it's, it's, it's such a valuable word. And one of the things that I love about this podcast and, and even writing about a good death is I looked at the work of Dr. Victor Frankel, Frankel, 
who was a Auschwitz survivor. I've read Search for Meaning. And so Search I, for Meaning I is have it on my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> it's by my bed because it's like one of those things you just keep reading and reading and and the power of hope um, is really what he saw as that defining characteristic of those who survive. And so anything that we can do to offer hope to others um, in our own lane, which you've, you've uh, found your lane and, and what I, I have found my lane in both this podcast and writing, but in Rwanda, God very clearly said, that's my place and my purpose. And so it's so wonderful that you have found your lane and it's about hope. But I also want to share something that, uh, with our listeners that I absolutely love. And uh, Sydney wrote a book, but she wrote it specifically for children. And so I'm going to show this to our listeners and it's Grief Came to Visit today. So tell us about Mr. Grief. Yes, that book idea actually came to me in the middle of the night. It was a few days after the loss of one of my childhood best friends. And I was laying there feeling the emotions that come with grief. And almost to myself thought, wow, this feels so familiar. Look, it's grief again. <laughs> and that's where the idea came from. I wanted it to be a children's book because obviously um, I don't believe that we focus enough as a country on children's grief and helping children through that grief because we're kind of ashamed to talk to kids about grief. We don't really know what to say. And so I thought this book would be a resource that parents, family members, um, friends, teachers can use to start that discussion about those emotions associated with grief and find a way that kids and whoever is reading it to them can relate and say, oh, that's how I'm feeling. Or, you know, when you feel this way, let's do this. And that way they have a way to process what mm -hmm. they're feeling. I actually had someone recommend a workbook. So I just created a workbook that's out on Amazon to accompany the book, um, kind of mm -hmm. as a way to journal and draw. So that way kids can find ways to process those emotions even further. And, and the thing about uh, grief personified, um, and it's so relatable, even for adults that are dealing with grief is, you know, he shows up in, in different ways and with different emotions, but then one day he shows up with happiness and speaking to other people that have had tragedy and, and as well as myself and, and knowing that grief is an imprint on our heart that never fully goes away. It would be as if that person uh, had left our, the imprint that they left on our lives and, and they don't, the grief doesn't go away, but there'll be days and, and the, that it's okay to be happy. And then you, you might have grief come visit again. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too. It's, you know, acknowledging it and not, I would say dwelling in it, but it's not ignoring it. And wouldn't, wouldn't you agree, Sydney? Because uh, I know with your best friend and that familiar feeling, it, it had to have been 
just reliving a lot of emotions, but also reliving new emotions. And again, I just want to express this message is not just for children. <laughs> I, I, I wish you would write an adult book because that we we forget to allow people to, to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. <laughs> and I'm a firm believer in everyone grieves differently and that what works for someone is not the same for someone else. And even in like, let's say an immediate family, um, everyone grieves that same loss very differently. Um, There are people who, you know, immediately are shocked or there are people who are immediately angry, people who are immediately sad. You know, there are people who it might not hit for some time and people are like, well, why are they not affected? I'm over here crying and they're not. It's just so different from for every person. And I think people need to realize that because there's so often where I've seen people judge others for their grief and think that, oh, well, they don't look sad or, oh, they're not, you know, Mm -hmm. taking as much time off as I would if I had that loss or, oh, they're still living in that house. I could never do that. Things like that, where I think we make assumptions that everyone would express emotions the same way that we do. And that's not the case. I, I, Describe it this way is as unique as the life that's gone is is the grief that we will experience. And it's it's endless, but it doesn't mean it's hopeless. And, you know, that's what you're teaching and, and you're bringing it to those that I can't imagine how they begin to feel hope when you're you're the person that is defending them. Um, I I think I want to be your friend. I just and so uh, if you were to sit here and go, uh, this is what I would hope for um, my future. What would that be? Right now, I think it's just continuing the work that I'm doing and making a difference. I don't really have any set plans of things that I aspire to do. I think that we're often led to our purpose despite our plans. And so for me, you know, I don't, I never planned to write a children's book. That wasn't a goal of mine in life. Um, it was a spur of the moment. Here's the idea. And I knew it's what was meant to be. Um, I didn't have aspirations to start a nonprofit or a scholarship. I was sitting there one day and had the idea and said, let's do it. Started to go fund me. And within the next day had the funds raised for it. So I just think there are things where we're supposed to be there. Um, that's our purpose. And so for me, a lot of the things that have happened happened fairly easily in the sense that I knew that that's what, where I was supposed to be going and what I was supposed to be doing. So for me, I feel like I'll be led to whatever the next path is, wherever I'm supposed to be. And I trust that. And so for me, it's just hoping that I'll always continue to follow that and not let my own stubbornness get in the way or say, <laughs> no, that's not what I want to do. Cause there were times- <laughs> There were times with this book that I was like, oh, this is so much work. You know, maybe I should just give up. Like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times with the scholarship where I'm like, oh, wow, like I'm doing this, all this fundraising on my own. This is a lot of work. You know, 
how long can I keep this up? Those kind of things. So it's just um, ensuring that I always continue to um, follow what is set for me and follow that purpose and let myself get out of the way and um, follow what I'm meant to do. Mm, I love that. And when you give a scholarship, uh, what does the student receive? So they get $1,000. It's sent to the institution paying off $1,000 of their tuition. And for our listeners to go to hopeaftergrief.org, www.hopeaftergrief.org, you can see the current recipients, which they're uh, stellar students, but also uh, you can donate. And I challenge the listeners because this is a very specific and very important need. And so I just want to lead by supporting a scholarship, an additional 2022 scholarship uh, recipient. And so that will be coming to your foundation because I believe in what you're doing. I also would like to finish with our our little question where a show about or a podcast about hope. And so we'd like to ask our guest, what's their favorite season for hope? And what do they like to do during that season? Spring, of course, it's the new time. Um, everything, you know, brightens up. And I always feel like when you come out of that winter seasonal depression almost, <laughs> and then you get into spring and it's all renewed. Mm-hmm. So that time is definitely a season of renewal and growth and hope for me. And I very much, I have two dogs, so I am a porch sitter. I love (laughs) porch. I just went to Folly for a week and the dogs and I just sat on the porch basically all week at the beach. So that is my thing to do is just sit outside and enjoy the warmth and get that vitamin D with puppies. So my puppy is in here too. (laughs) She goes everywhere with me. Uh, Her name's Harper. Yes, I have two. One was planned. The other was not, but um, they both go everywhere with me as well. So I understand that. Great companions. And so uh, again, thank you, Sydney. You can find her book and workbook both on Amazon currently and it's grief came to visit and and there's the option for the workbook as well i highly recommend not only having it in your home but also lobbying for it to be in your schools because this is something that is not readily available in our schools and i know that that is also a passion of sydney's and she's fighting that for that in South Carolina schools. And so we love that. And then www.hopeaftergrief.org and come alongside and sponsor another student or sponsor a portion of another student. You can't help but love someone who wants to make a difference in the lives of children. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sydney. And I hope you have a blessed day. You too.